Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. This is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides along the journey to RPG adventures. We are all D&D role players and storytellers at heart. It's where we started out, and it's where we find ourselves most at home. So here in our main podcast episodes, we discuss the core rules, how to use them as written, and how to homebrew your own content to get the most out of your story. Because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules is what makes a campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. Do you love Marvel but are tired of hearing Cheeto-stained white guys talk about it? Are you hoping to see the X-Men and Avengers face off? Do you secretly want to be Jessica Jones or Daisy Johnson? Or do you want to be with Valkyrie? If so, you've found your new favorite podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And Madam Amy. And we are here to give you the commentary you want. Marvel. Minus the mansplaining. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at themarvelousmadams.com. Madams, assemble. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. So we are once again tapping into uh, our class analysis uh, ranking episodes this evening. Uh, we're going to tackle the next one in order. Gentlemen, a pleasure as always to see you this evening. Hope that uh, hope that things down in uh, TTJ Studios South are uh, are just as uh, lovely as they are up here in uh, TTJ Studios North. Oh, chilly, it, but it being uh, being November, uh, chilly is kind of the uh, the word of the month here. Yeah. It's been beautiful here the last couple of days. I mean, yeah. I spent the first part of the week, no joke, power washing my house in November. Nice. That sounds fabulous. That sounds fabulous. And uh, you know, before we really get cracking into uh, tonight's episode, uh, it being Veterans Day, uh, let me just take a quick moment to go ahead and say uh, thank you Absolutely. to all of the veterans out in the audience. Several really great friends uh, that I know have served. Uh, Lou and, and in the studio. Yep, exactly. Yep, Lee Winika, of course, um, and uh, several Patreon subscribers, or at least one one big Patreon subscriber that I know about. Um, so thank you all uh, for your service, and we are happy to have you as listeners. So I echo those thanks to all my uh, fellow service members, certainly though I was not one, certainly to all of my Marine brothers and sisters in arms. Uh, happy birthday to you. Born in a bar and older than the country was the quote that was provided to me, and that works really well. I'm really proud of uh, my friendships uh, that I made during the military. So happy Veterans Day to all of you. Thanks for what you've done, what you do, what, and what we're going to do as we continue on. 
With no further ado uh, beyond that, tonight we're going to get into the next of the class episodes, and we're going to talk tonight about barbarians. We're going to talk about the barbarians. We're going to talk about, uh, as we have been doing for the last several, we're going to talk about the class first, uh, and really kind of break down kind of general mechanics with the class general feeling of the class, the general mechanics of the class, kind of what we think about the class as a whole uh, to start in this first episode. Uh, and then next week, we will uh, do a subclass by subclass breakdown of all of the subclasses uh, for the Barbarians. Uh, and there are eight of them uh, in this particular one. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and get started. So uh, who would like to start tonight and talk about kind of their history, any barbarians that they've played, any barbarians that they've loved, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Who's got a good one? I have always had a love hate relationship with the class throughout the editions. Obviously in very early editions, it was a type of warrior class. It was basically a type of fighter. Um, I think it has a lot of lore steeped in Norse uh, myth and legend. Uh, which I think is well-deserved, and it's kind of my initial go-to. But then you also have the fantasy of Conan uh, and what he represents-ish as part of what a barbarian should be. And I always found it very interesting how it has never quite, for me, hit all the cylinders. Um, And I think part of that is a problem that barbarians are not one thing. There are barbarian peoples in various cultures and they're very different from one another so it's really hard to nail down something that feels like a barbarian for everybody universally Uh, and that's why addition to addition what makes a barbarian has really changed i think 5e has done a very good job because of the way they do subclasses and classes of picking out core elements that should be in all of them and then having these this is reminiscent of culture x y or z without being demeaning or appropriating getting that flavor in i think there's some things that are still missing that they could still do uh haven't quite put my finger on it precisely to say here's some of my own but i think there's room out there horse nomads true viking warriors beyond just the berserker um, mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's options, something more stealth oriented and cunning oriented like Conan was in writing less than in movies and such. So I think there's a there's room to grow the barbarian class. And I would hope in future books we start seeing more of that. But it's going to be hard depending on where the theme of the new books go, because if the theme of the book is Fae, you're not going to get a Conan type character. So getting to some of these more core things that I think are missing thus far is going to be hard in the Mm -hmm. remaining years of 5e as we know it before the evolution. Pretty much the way you got to look at the barbarian, because I totally get what you're saying, but I think that intrinsically what you got to do to understand the barbarian class is you've got to look at what the barbarian is at its core, right? It is a fighter. It is a fighter type, Mm -hmm. right? But it's different than a trained tactical fighter. That doesn't mean they don't have tactics, right? But it's a totally different type of warrior as opposed to being the smart military yeah. type fighter who's working in a flannix with other uh, other spearmen and shields. They're, they're the passionate warrior. These guys are, they're the warrior who's coming from their heart, not their head. They're the guys out. And, cause, and I don't like the fact that it's always just called, you know, 
rage that all of it comes from a, a place of rage it doesn't have to just be rage i mean yeah. i think i think of barbarians as being passionate warriors and they've kind of painted it into that cultural thing for being like the outsider or the outlander background right there in the in the quick build um and they're kind of giving you some some direction there i totally get what you mean lee Wanika, because that kind of feels like it's taking away from some of the flavor that could be done with different barbarian peoples but even among those peoples it's important to realize that they had regular warriors who fought with tactics. They had weather, sure. they had archers, they had oh, yeah. a line of guys with shields and swords, but they still had their fierce, passionate, like inspiring, not quite charisma inspiring, but you know, battle glory yeah, inspiring and intimidating presence. Kind of like though Dex Fighter, the difference between the duel and Rob Roy between with Liam Neeson, uh, between mm -hmm. Rob Roy himself, and I don't remember the character's name, but the Englishman who Tim used Roth. a rapier. T Tim Roth's character, yeah. It wasn't actually yeah. Tim Roth. You know, the Scottish Highlander is, is a barbarian is kind of as an example of can be. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so... No, no, I'm uh, done uh, rambling. That's, uh, no, that's... And you raise a really good point that not only were the, the Norse peoples more diverse than I think the barbarian class paints them to be, I... I I'm also with you, Glenn, that I don't love how they are always rage. Like, rage is kind of like the thing that barbarians do, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, again, being the, the history dork that I am, I would really love to see something with a little bit more nuance than the barbarian class in the game, right? I, I think that Lee hit it spot on when he said that barbarians, and, and I mean, you echoed this, that barbarians are basically a fighter, right? That's really, that's really what they are. They do, they do things differently than fighters. And I, I think that, you know, like berserkers and some of the other kind of subclasses could be rolled into the fighter. A lot of these other subclasses could be rolled into other classes. I mean, I think that like, for example, if you look at, you know, like the totem warrior, the totem warrior could be a druid. You, if you look at the wild magic barbarian, that could be a sorcerer. If you look at the zealot barbarian, that could be a paladin. They could be rolled rolled into other things and i would much rather see rather than barbarian being a class i have always said that i would i would much rather they take what the culture that they're trying to impose into the barbarian class and make it a combination of lineages and outlander type backgrounds that allow for some diversity within this within the culture that they're trying to encapsulate as as the barbarian because it just it always has felt a little flat for me it always and i i you know one of the one of the stereotypes that I hate, and I've played into it before, but is like, is the dumb barbarian, right? Is the, is the, the total like meathead barbarian who, with the intelligence of six that can only, you know, can uh, his, his, his version of picking locks is running into them with his head, you know, like that sort of like, you know, and I've certainly played that character before and I've, I've had fun with that care character. I just wish that the perception wasn't that, that was the only way that barbarians could be. And I think that it does, I think barbarian does kind of have that baggage with it, right? It's kind of got that, that uh, they're not, they're never going to be like, even like what you're saying that, like, you know, the perception isn't that barbarians can be talented pack 
or or team warriors because the only you know thank you the vikings television show the only way that people think that that the norse people fought was in like they would run off their boats you know and and basically swarm over whatever like like they're the zerg you know like uh, rolling over the land you get a better depiction in the last kingdom I was going to say, I actually liked Vikings because what I think it really did was show the different things within it. While there were a few characters I would say are the traditional barbarian, I would mostly think other characters were other things. I don't think Loki, for instance, Loki was was a barbarian by class. Um, exactly. Even the even the an entire band of bar, of warriors from a barbarian tribe, they're not all going to be barbarians. Thirteenth uh, warrior, I think, is one of the most perfect depictions of this, where you mm, you, you clearly had a ranger, you clearly had a rogue, you clearly yeah. had a had a bard, you clearly had uh, a fighter, and you know, and you had all these different things, and you had a different kind of fighter, a dex based fighter. I think that was a better way to depict a culture, which is this semi-nomadic, this fearsome culture type thing. But I don't know if D&D Wizards of the Coast was trying to do that with the barbarian class. I think they simply yeah. wanted to have it because it's been in previous editions. Yep, They found a very clean mechanic to make it very different than fighters. And because they made the, the design choice to have subclasses get things at different level class by class, you couldn't mix them together. I think a lot of what you said, yeah. Josh, would work in that pie-in-the-sky vision I have for the evolution is if every yeah. class gets subclass stuff at level X, Y, and Z, then you can say eliminate barbarian very easily and just take all the stuff that is this, call it a druid subclass. So it's the warrior type. Wow! Now you're trying to drop it too. You're going to try to drop the barbarian? No, I, I, no, no, I, I got I got to jump in. I got to. Right. I was waiting until we got done. I with also the TV think that thing. he's wrong. But go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had to wait till we got done with the TV thing before I because I didn't want to cut it off before I addressed that point. But Josh is all like, we could roll barbarian into. Come on. At that point, you may as well roll Ranger into Fighter too, right? And maybe some of its classes into other ones. How about Paladins? That's just a Holy Warrior, right? I mean, every martial <laughs> class could just be Fighter. Come on. The problem that you don't like is the name. And I get it because Barbarian implies culture. Take that out of it. Yeah. Stop looking at it like a Barbarian tribe from the Frozen Wasteland. It could be anything. It could be a group of rabbit folk who live in a pleasant meadow like the Shire in the Fey Folk who have a barbarian who's a wild magic barbarian, right? Who comes up when the time is needed. Aside from that, he's field, turning his fields with everybody else. It doesn't have to be that image. And what they're trying to give you to give you that flavor that you think they're taking it away by calling it barbarian, you'll find that in the subclasses, in the path of the totem warrior, which gives you the guy who's from an animalistic people who really focuses on animals, right? Mm -hmm. Or, the path of the wild ma of wild magic. We're going to talk about these next episode, but all yeah. of those pieces are where you get your your bits that you're going to tie into your tribal flavor, so that you can create your own tribe. What they need to do is just call it something else besides barbarian. Yeah. I mean, they could call it champion. So uh, I, I don't. They could, they could straight up call it warrior. They could call I like, it. I like Outlander. Yeah. I I don't even like Outlander, but I I don't think you're all hero. Take the background folk hero and make it a class. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't think you're entirely wrong. I just think... I know I'm not entirely wrong. I'm glad. Yeah. What's the matter with you? <laughs> I, what I truly think is they need to pick. 
I think we are in this weird spot where they have not done one or the other. I would be happy with either. I don't even have a preference for one versus the other, but I think they need to go one way, either get rid of it and blend it, or do as you say, call it a different name and then have it be what it is. Uh, Well, to be fair, all I'm suggesting is that they change the name. So basically, both of your entire argument is based just on the fact that they call it Barbarian. Freaking get over it, guys, and just play the character and have a great time. I don't know. It's it's not that. It's not, it's not that. So I mean, because when you look at the way that the subclasses play into the class abilities, like there, so many of them are rage based or ways that they augment the rage of the initial character, or no, and that you know, they need that, to change the flavor of. I agree. Well, right, but that but that's what I'm saying is that that because barbarian is a rage based class, the subclasses have to play into that. Otherwise, right. the sub. Otherwise, the mechanics on the subclasses are crap. I'm right? sold on a modification because they do need to flavor it so that it's not just rage. You yeah. could be you, pas- incredibly passionate yeah. for any other reason. Take a subclass, give it rage. You know, make that's what I'm saying. Like, take bar- make barbarian a subclass of fighter and give the barbarian subclass the ability to rage. Now you've got the ability to go ahead and make all sorts of different characters that are not rage based. Like even. Uh, okay, so I know we're, we're already talking a lot about the subclasses, and we're going to dive into those in more detail when we start talking about them individually, but I wish that at some point they could decide what ability as a barbarian I need to inc- I need to have as my secondary stat if I'm going to be any of these subclasses. Because they could, like, sometimes it's constitution, sometimes it's charisma, sometimes it it's wisdom. Around, sometimes, yeah. Right? It bounces that around a lot. Like. There is no internal consistency in this class, and that's why I think that, like, I think, Liwanika, you nailed it exactly on the head. They can't decide what barbarian's supposed to be so what we get is this and i don't like it <laughs> so you're getting fired up glad, yeah. glad now, you're back <laughs> so i think i think now, they now, i think they i think they made barbarian perfectly in its first incarnation and i think that the subclasses while they are adding more ability to flavor your barbarian but all of that attempt to expand it is what's clouding it yeah I, I would agree. I think Barbarian is uniquely one of the ones that, uh, and we'll see if that pans out. My, before I look at the numbers view, was that the the PBH had it best. And then while others had some flashes of brilliance, I, I, I felt that. I, we'll see when we see my numbers. I'm not promising that that's how the numbers play out. Because I could very well be wrong. I have been surprised by my rankings in the past, so I will allow for the fact that I could surprise myself. But my face value is, every time I've looked at it briefly, like, when I play Barbarian, I keep leaning towards the PBH end of things. Um, Or PHP uh, end of things, rather. Because I just feel that that's as close to what I'm going to get as possible. Again, I'm still trying to put my finger on that barbarian that is Conan, because none of the barbarian subclasses is Conan the Barbarian, a la the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. None of them. And I think that's a tragedy of the class. If if you've got yeah. a class and the most famous barbarian of them all can't be made well with that subclass, if you can't do one of the most famous ones well, it is very hard to do, to do more. Now, I think uh, you could probably, arguably, come up with Thundar pretty well. You know, uh, mm, it'd be hard for Thundar. me to talk about barbarians without saying "Ride Ukla, <laughs> <laughs> Demon Dogs." Right. You know, 
let's uh let's talk about some of the actual mechanics that we have to, we've, we've we've talked a lot so far about the flavor of barbarians and how <laughs> they can be played and how they can be used let's dive into the mechanics a little bit here so uh, let, let's talk briefly about sort of their proficiency set their equipment their starting tools and everything like that and the reason why I'm saying briefly is because I'm not sure that there's anything in there that doesn't make any sense, right? I think the one, one thing the the one thing that we talked about was sort of um, you know the whole strength constitution nature of the barbarian starts to get a little wacky when you start looking at some of the subclasses because they require con- they require uh, skill or uh, advancement in other abilities uh, rather than than those two. But um, uh, Glenn, what was the what was the the point that you wanted to raise? Medium armor. In a class where you've explicitly designed its abilities to fight and, and to work and fight unarmored, why are they proficient in medium armor or light armor? You could have used that somewhere else. I mean, light armor is basically your leather armor, stuff like that. So that makes sense to me. Unarmored defense. You don't get it if you're wearing armor. You can use a shield. That's it. Oh, Additional that's movement if you're unarmored. It keeps It keeps tying back to that. I, I recognize that challenge, but I think the answer to your question is it allows the barbarian at higher levels and higher tiers to pick up magical armor when the magical armor would be better than his unarmored defense. Yeah, that's why you give it to him then because you can't get it later. Yeah. And when you and when the gear is better than your natural ability, then you pick up the gear. I I, right. I think I, that's a very mechanical design, and I think that's why it was done. I I agree yeah. with you; it doesn't flavor well at all. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I get, well. I, get the, I get the meta reason for doing it, but yeah. it, it it makes no sense I because think, if I you think... took away light armor and medium armor, and you allowed that to go into, I think that you're going to call it a barbarian and somebody who was raised amongst any kind of primitive people away from civilization or society, they should have more skills. I think that yep. light armor or medium armor, medium armor should go away and they should, instead of getting to choose two, be able to choose three, maybe mm-hmm. four. So they have more of the, the nature skill set you'd need from living in a primitive people. Yeah. But. Yep. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think uh, Glenn, that you are, you are uncovering, I think what I feel is the big flaw in kind of this entire set of rules and mechanics around barbarians is that while ostensibly a 14th level barbarian is where barbarian peaks out, they really only peak out around level 10, right? They maybe eight or 10 after that. And the mechanical benefits of being a barbarian kind of fall off the edge, and I think that that sort of, I think that that sort of echoes the point that Luanique is making: is that by level ten, your natural unarmored defense isn't as good. You know, the the negatives of picking up a plate, a, a piece of, you know, or a set of, uh, you know, magical scale armor outweighs the 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 positive of not wearing armor at all. So I, I, I will say this though, while. It will certainly not be as good as the other thing because while you're raging, you are effectively resistant. All, yeah. you know, at that point in time, uh, your need for the armor is less because you have that ridiculous hit die. You need the armor less. So, yeah, that's right. It's exceptionally balanced in its design, however flawed the narrative feel of it may be. It's one of those things that I'm like, I get it. And so I work around it. It's not a sticky wicket for me, while I understand it being a sticky wicket in general. What about uh, at second level, when they get Danger Sense and Reckless Attack? Uh, Luanika, what did you think about those abilities? So, I'll speak specifically about Reckless Attack. 
it is the ability that every ranger should just do. Like, it is... Just do it. Like, Well, except we're talking about barbarians. Or, uh, did I say ranger? I, I meant barbarian. Yeah. You said ranger. <laughs> My bad. Um, I mean, again, that's because, you know, anyway, we digress. I think every ranger should take a two-level dip into barbarian and get this ability, but <laughs> that said... Um, or every barbarian should take a six-level dip into ranger. But... Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we digress. Reckless Amazing. I think it's a great ability. It's a lot of fun. It creates very swingy battles early on. It creates mm-hmm. good battles. It does mechanically the thing you expect from the character concept of a barbarian. It makes them heavy freaking hitters. When they hit, they hit. When they hit and they can get hit and then they get to show off the fact that that hit didn't hurt. You know, it's Bobcat Goldthwait going down the stairs. That don't hurt. That don't hurt. What don't hurt? Oh, hurt. Um, you have to be a pretty old Police Academy three head to get that's right that's that's a deep cut. That was that's that a, was a deep, deep cut, cut right there, you, ladies and gentlemen. I'll, I'll I'll talk to you next week. I'm out. Uh, <laughs> wow. But I I love I love the ability. I think it fits very well. What what about you, Glenn? Which one did you prefer over Danger Sense or Reckless Attack? Or did you have a preference? Reckless Attack, I think, gives you a solid ability to increase your damage, but the action economy means you're giving up some other options that you could possibly have going on on your turn. But, I mean, if you're going the great weapon route, it's not like you're doing two weapon or anything else, so that's getting you the bonus attack. So I think that really that's what it comes down to, is Reckless Attack gets you that second attack as a great weapon fighter that you could get if you were dual weaponing. You know, like if you're doing sword, sword, you know, for that bonus action attack with the offhand. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think both of them are powerful. I think danger, yeah. I think danger sense for getting the dexterity saving throw is powerful, but yeah. it doesn't make as much sense for the barbarian to me because now we're, now we're throwing decks in, right? He's already well, a strength con character. And we yeah. mentioned earlier talking about when we're looking at all the subclasses, yep. all the other stats that come in. I mean, by the time you're done, you could potentially have a barbarian who needs all the stats, but one. Well, I think I think that's why they have it as advantage, because that advantage is effectively a plus five. So what they're saying is, don't put your your points into into dexterity because we're going to throw you a bone, so you don't have to worry about. It. Oh, fair enough. Advantage. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. So I'm not yeah, gonna I thought it. about that one backwards. You're 100 <laughs> yep. percent right. I, I would um, also conjecture that that is probably the least remembered barbarian ability i've ever seen in a table for oh, all the, the fact that they get advantage on all dexterity saves yes <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. i yeah. would say yeah, probably that's... two out of ten times will a player remember that yeah totally i absolutely absolutely i mean i think that this is this is probably one of those things that playing in a vtt is probably a barbarian's best friend because they don't have to remember that they have advantage on that dexterity save they just have to roll for the entirety of tier one and tier two, when fireball is really the big spell threat that a party is going to face, right? They have advantage on dexterity saves. I mean, spell attacks in particular are so dexterity based throughout tiers one and tier two. No pun intended, but it's a huge advantage to go ahead and have advantage on dexterity saves uh, because specifically none of their skills are dexterity based and they are specifically kind of steered away from dexterity. Um, so yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Let's jump to Feral Instinct at level 7. Before Uh, we do that, can we talk about the the ASI? Uh, While you get get it at 4th, 8th, 12th, 16th, and 19th. So you get... Yep, so 5 total. You get 5 total, which is a pretty good amount. 
but it's all very top heavy. Like you're getting one at tier one, one at tier two, you're getting one at tier three, and then you get two and at two in tier four. four. Yeah. And especially on a class where all their subclasses top out at level 14, the fact that you get two ASIs at 16 and 19 is weird. I would rather see the class features be improved and spaced and get one of those ASIs in tier two or tier three to beef up the the, the, the class as a whole better. I would definitely agree with you on this one. I think that they should take the level 19 ASI and put it at level 10. Um, I think that that would be a really nice balancer to go ahead and help round out these characters. Um, but you know, but not just that. But so, I mean, I I, I didn't kind of talk about this at the beginning, but I'm actually I'm, I have in my kind of stable of characters for projects I can't talk about. Um, I have a a barbarian that I'm playing. It's, he's a Goliath based barbarian. It's a lot of fun to play. Um, but at one point I had to uh, roll him up, I think at like a level 12 or 14. Um, and he at that point was a mm, eighth level barbarian. Um, and so at that point I decided to double dip him into fighter for six levels because for six, for, for, for those six levels, right? So as an eighth level barbarian a sixth level fighter he got three asis right uh in those six levels uh and basically did exactly what you were talking about because he got his asi at what like uh, 11 13 and 15 or something like that right so right. you know uh, you know it really kind of it rounded out the character very very nicely and then it gave him all the cool things that being a sixth level fighter gets you know i i I think that multi-classing, if you're not playing a fighter character, multi-classing into fighter is sometimes really, really nice because of the bennies that a first level fighter gets. And if you can do it for right. three or four levels to get those extra feats, it's very nice. So um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that it's, I think it's weird where they get their ASIs. Three or four sounds good, but I was just trying to figure that out and it, it's not actually that helpful, right? Because yeah. you don't get your first one till four, just like everybody else. And you get your next one at six. Right. Yep. So that's six levels to go in. But if you're playing any other kind of fighting class who gets a second attack at level five, yep. you don't get the additional second attack at level five for fighter as well. So to stick in long enough to get two feats, yeah. you'll delay getting your own third attack. Of, or no, nobody else gets a third attack with yeah. fighter or just barbarian. Right, yeah. The thing you're also forgetting in that equation, Glenn, is the fact that action surge comes in. Yep. Uh, and second wind. And action surge, second win are two amazing abilities that you get under. Oh, no. Um, it's awesome to get. I meant for the feats. Because yeah. Josh, your last sentence there was yeah. stay in for a few levels to get those extra feats, but yeah. you have to stay in six to get two. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, yeah. that part Maybe is, that's is not. Yeah. You got you to gotta stick fighter for the long haul to get the benefit of yeah. the extra feats. You can't just dip feat, in yeah. for Exclusively it. for feats, not a good play understanding that you're going to get a couple feats and some amazing stuff of very good play. And it play, pairs very nicely with barbarian class, uh, especially if you're doing something like yep. champion. Yep. Action uh, surge and second win by themselves. I mean, those are just yeah. amazing to have. If you're playing your class straight through, I guess it's not that bad, but look, not I mean, enough who's, who's going to play a 16th level barbarian. Yeah. Like that's not enough games go like what? to tier four. To be putting that kind of yeah. awesomeness, I mean, back yeah, at the ass end of the character. We'll we'll talk about the class benefits that a barbarian gets after level fourteen, and 
I think that you'd be hard pressed to decide to go ahead and run a barbarian all the way to level twenty. Basically. then at level seven so level seven your instincts are so honed that you have advantage on initiative rolls huge benefit at level seven. Oh yeah huge Feral instinct is a huge power love it not just Absolutely not just it. the advantage on initiative but if you're surprised you're not surprised yeah if you rage yeah, yeah. first yeah that that's a hot secondary right yeah. there I mean, yep i have um, a magic item up for one of my non-barbarian characters and the whole purpose is to get those two things uh yeah yeah. A weapon of warning is something that do not overlook as a player. Storytellers yeah. do not overlook giving that. Your people will not yeah. be upset. It doesn't matter if it's a dagger of of warning. It could mm-hmm. be a pin cushion of warning. But anything, yeah. a hat of warning, anything of warning, players are going to eat up simply because advantage on initiative is, is amazing. Going early in initiative yeah. is a great way to keep your players engaged. Yeah. It just simply is. No, nope. it just simply when, is. Um, That's just that is the game we choose to play. Giving them a weapon to really force that to happen. Have at it. When I rolled up my my GIF um, uh, Battlemaster, uh, I was given the option of, of giving him a magical weapon, and yes, I took uh, I took a glaive of warning. Uh, best decision I ever made. Absolutely, like it's initiative on uh, advantage on initiative rolls. Uh, and you know, and then on top of that, they also get the, I mean, this is, so this is an optional rule at seventh level, but, uh, instinctive pounce as part of the bonus action you take to enter your rage, you can move up to half of your speed. Right. And so now we're starting to get into, we're starting to get into that, that bit where barbarians start to play with how fast they move and everything like that and getting more movement than everybody else. Right. Um, you know, uh, which I don't have any problem with that. Like, I think it's fine. You know, uh, I think, I think monks hate it because they always like to be the ones that are fastest, but you know, the barbarian is going to be able to outpass them, outpace them. Cause you figure your average barbarian is going to get 30 feet per round. Now they're getting 45. if They enter a rage. Plus they've already got their, already plus got they've already got their additional feet. 10 feet. Yeah. yeah. So it's, so it's what 40, so 60, they're getting 60 now, you know? Right. Um, and now I'm going to be a tabaxi so that I get feline agility to double my speed for one round. As long as I then spend one round without movement. Yep. So here, here's the question though on the fast movement. I do again. It's one of those things. Level so starting at fifth level, your speed increases by ten feet if you aren't wearing heavy armor. Well, again. why would a barbarian ever wear heavy armor? Not only are they not proficient with it, but they get better bonuses to not be in heavy armor and certainly not going to be wearing it at fifth level. So again, we see that kind of in, inconsistency. I, I see that more as an acknowledgement that somewhere in the world, somebody's going to want their character to add rage. Someone's going to play a fighter and say, I'm going to take a couple level dip into Barbarian uh, to, get rage. Yeah. Uh, to get rage and be able to do some extra cool things and make my fighter that much better. We've been talking yeah, about a five level dip. Five in, I might do that. I'm, maybe not with a fighter, but I can see five in. I can see five in. Uh, mm. to, I can see a build where that could work for you. What I'm saying is they put it there so it doesn't work that well for you. All right, fair enough. That's all. Okay. Brutal critical at ninth. So you roll one additional weapon damage die when determining the extra damage for a critical hit with a melee attack. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Extra no, dice, always better than 
extra dice always better than fewer dice, right? Yes, sir. Can I uh, have and, another? And it, <laughs> you can at thirteenth level, actually. and then a third and seventeenth. Yeah, <laughs> you'll have it, <laughs> and you'll have it again. Uh, and then uh, relentless rage at thirteenth, at eleventh level, rather. Uh, you're. Uh, your rage can keep you fighting despite grievous wounds. Now, this I will say that uh, this I think st- blends very, very well with with an ability from another subclass. Yeah, the zealot. I think they start to double dip in the abilities, right? And so we'll get to that when we start talking about the subclasses next episode. We'll get into that, but I I think that you know if you're not a zealot, this is a nice ability. If you are a zealot, it's not a great ability. I think similar to that, um, you'll find there are some totem. There are some classes that have issues. If you're yeah. um, if you're with various races, if you're a race that already has certain natural attacks, being a barbarian, yeah. a totem, uh, a totem barbarian, uh, it limits your choices. Like I already get that. Why? Yeah, um, totally. So I think there are some challenges with certain things you pick really steer Jeez. your choices more than I think they intended. Let's see. Level fifteen persistent rage. This is one that I did not understand. All right, your fierce, your rage is so fierce that it ends early only if you fall unconscious or if you choose to end it. Why else would rage end early? Like I'm not, I'm not following what they're trying, what they're, I'm not following what they're fixing. I believe if you don't attack each round, your rage ends. Correct. Your turn ends if you have your rage ends if you haven't attacked a hostile creature since your last turn or taken damage since then. Okay, so you don't have to attack every turn anymore. Easiest way to defeat a barbarian is to make sure you stay out of his range. Yeah, yeah. Once he rages, yeah. get out of his range. Once his rage ends, yeah. attack him again. When he goes into that next one, yeah. get out of his range. That's why barbarians have all that okay. movement. The reason they keep getting the movement is so they so people can't get out of their range. Yeah. And that's why okay. a good barbarian always has some kind of ranged attack. So they've got hmm. a couple javelins or something that they can throw or yeah. they take tavern brawler. So they make an improvised weapon. So they're always yeah. able to attack. What do we think about this at level 15? Because, I mean, given that I understand now what they're going for, it feels late to me. I think at the power level of barbarians, again, it's an all-encompassing thing. You take a look at how many hit points your average barbarian is going to have at that point with constitution being one of their prime stats. Yep. 150, give or take, 150, 150 160, more, yeah. right? And if they take any kind of feat in that general vein, they're pushing 200 yeah. at this point. Oh, yeah, if they take tough, yeah, yeah. exactly, totally. So, yeah. 200 hit points. You're taking half damage for almost everything that's coming at you, unless somebody is specifically geared to fight you. And now, you can close all kinds of distances, so it's very hard to not have a raging barbarian. You do that at 10th level, Way too powerful. I think it's actually pretty perfectly timed. It's actually timed at a point where bad guys can teleport further distances. They can hit you from further ranges. Um, It's really timed at a point where you're going to need to expect. You're going to be fighting creatures that are more intelligent. All of those things may not come up every combat, but I guarantee you in the life cycle of a 15th level barbarian, at least one or two combats are going to require them to go around without without losing range. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about the Barbarian fighting the Fae earlier. Like, you get a Fae with Misty Step, that's just going to frustrate a Barbarian the entire time. Yeah. Which is why every Barbarian okay. should have some kind of ranged backup. Even if it's yep. a dagger. 
Just be able to do yep. something. Something he can throw. Indomitable Might, I loved. I think that, so this is, if I remember correctly, this was an old th- third edition feat. Um, and I think that the way that they parted fifth edition was was really, really nice. Basically, if, I, if I'm rolling a strength check and it's less than my strength score, I can use my strength score instead. So with strength being the primary ability, good luck outstrengthing a barbarian at level 18. Good luck. Right. It's not going to happen. To be fair, at 18th level, you get into a strength competition with anything that's martial. It's a struggle. So it's idea, the idea is you can't fail the simple stuff. It's very similar to the reliable talent of a rogue. You're not even going to fail the complicated stuff. Some of the some of the some of the contested rules, though, when you're doing strength checks against some of the larger threat creatures, is gonna make that a benefit. Because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, all right, the Leviathan might still roll a one, but if he doesn't, the bonus on the strength check, you know, it's giving you the he's still he's still gonna beat an eighteen if yeah. you rolled a four. Yeah, yeah. I I think an eighteenth level barbarian has got a twenty strength by that point, right? Probably. Right, and. And I, I would ask you, I would ask you this as, uh, as fellow storytellers, if I am an 18th level barbarian and I have indomitable might and I roll a natural one, mm-hmm. what's the ruling? Did I crit fail or can I use my, so even though I can use my strength score, did I still crit fail? So that really depends on the rules of the table. So my regular games, my land of 18 C games, I play with crit fails and crit, and crit yeah. successes. So in that game, yeah, you crit fail. Bonus or not, you crit failed. That's my sense on it too. However, that's not a textbook rule. So if I'm playing an adventure league game or I'm playing a game that's non-homebrewed, uh, that wouldn't necessarily be the rule. So a one becomes the 20. It's the contested rules because a 20 isn't great if the other person has a, has a plus six and they roll an 18. You still lost. The issue is you didn't lose by a lot. Okay, sure. Right. So here's the thing, though, is that if your strength modifier is plus six I and I have a 20 strength, I have a 70% chance of succeeding on that. I'll take that. I'll take those odds. Absolutely. With, 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 without, without dropping dice, there's a 70% chance. So basically, make you roll first. If you don't get over, if your, if your roll is not over my strength modifier and, crit, and I, I can't crit fail on it, I, I'm not going to drop the dice. Why does it matter? Doesn't matter. Unless you can beat my strength score, it doesn't matter. I will also go so far as to say then get a uh, uh, character lineage that has the equivalent of powerful build or be in a game that allows powerful build. You mean like a Goliath? And then you have advantage on those chips also. Yeah. (laughs) So my my answer to your question from a storyteller's perspective is in this instance, if they had an 18, they rolled a one, they're eight. It says the, the rule as written on the ability says that they can substitute the total of their strength score, which means that they succeed, right? But they still rolled the one. My answer would be a conditional victory. Yeah, conditional that was my success. sense on it too. They would, they would succeed at whatever it was, but there would be something else that happened along the way based on the situation mm. that was a negative or a calamity, something yep. that, that then... Yep. A know, victory condition. Yeah. You were able to yes. list it, but now it's breaking. <laughs> right. Or you were able to lift it, but it, but you fall through the floor. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then uh, finally, Primal Champion, a, a massive bonus to your strength and your constitution. That is that is wackadoodle crazy pants. I think that should be actually the third, the third level ability. I think that should be moved right to the front, and I'm going to play a Barbarian tomorrow. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, like a, a plus four in in this in this game with with bounded accuracy. A plus four to your strength when you can already be up. I mean, again, if you're a barbarian by level eighteen, you should have your strength up to twenty anyway. Your strength and your constitution should both be up to twenty by the time you're level eighteen if you can get it there, right? Um, and then you're up to twenty four by level twenty. Like, uh, so my so here's my th- here's my point though is that. Persistent Rage, Indomitable Might, Primal Champion, nice abilities. Are any of them, single-handedly, or even the three of them in tandem, going to be enough for you to take your level 14 Barbarian, who has just maxed out his alpha ability in the subclass, and continue on with Barbarian? Now remember, too, you also, so you get Persistent Rage at 15, and ASI at 16, Indomitable Might at 18, an ASI at 19 and then primal champion at 20. So you get two. So your tier four barbarians get a lot. So I have a dual answer. Mm -hmm. Yes. And no, actually those were the two dual answers. Good job. I'm shocked. I'm shocked by this. You, you are prognosticate for ladies and gentlemen, Lee Wanika is going to give a noncommittal answer on a straightforward question. Go ahead. It wow, depends. That was nasty. Shots fired. I know, right? Shots fired. <laughs> That's the theme of this week, by the way. Shots fired. <laughs> if I'm in a campaign and the story has me leaning towards maintaining, uh, like there's there's story reasons to stay a barbarian and not multi-class, I would not feel guilty about staying with this. These are great abilities. I would almost certainly stay for 15. Because that's one level, why wouldn't you? And for that, whether or not I would stay for 17 would determine if I thought three levels of fighter or three levels of rogue would be worth it. If I stayed for 17, at that point, would two levels of fighter be worth it, right? And if I stayed for 18, then I'm staying for the whole kit and caboodle. There's no point in stopping if I stayed for 18. Yeah. Um, no. So no, I agree. It's all about the story. So maybe it's not two answers. It's one answer. It really depends at the point of contact. Is there a story reason to change? If there's a story reason, like we're fighting deities and gods and demons, and they need a hero of the realm, I might just say, I'll become a paladin now. Because it fits the story to be damned with the mechanics. I think the only conditional should be how important is that strength score going to be? Because if, if you need your strength score up to 24 and, and only if then it's worth staying in, if you don't need your strength score up to 24, if 20 is going to be sufficient, I think that there are probably at least 11 other choices that you can go ahead and bring into a, into a barbarian character and make it better. I don't think there's any level one, character that would make me stop short of 20 by one level. I don't think there's any level two character that would make me stop short of that. That's I think my it depend point. on the subclass. I think it would depend on the subclass. Well, there's no, that would depend. There's, there's only, also two, there's on only the two character classes that get a subclass at that. No, it's also going to depend on the character, right? And I, I get story and overall arching story, but the character and who the character is, is important too. Yes. I mean, I mean, if you want to, if you're going to meta your way through it, I'd be hard pressed just for abilities not to take two levels of fighter and drop off to drop off for, I could agree with two levels to get action surge um, and second wind uh, and make that power and call those powerful enough 
to adjust those end abilities. I think those two, those two, those two would do it for me. But if I'm playing a character that was like proud of his people and his heritage, now nah, he's probably going to stay through till 20 and I'll be happy with it because barbarian as designed is a pretty solid, straightforward without the subclasses even being added on, but just its mechanics are pretty solid and they play into each other fairly well. Um, yeah. I would play one through 20 without, without any qualms. And when I say story, I do mean character as well. I consider story both character. And yeah, character. yeah, yeah. You, you you would adjust for the story based on what the story needs to help keep it flowing, but also it's got to work with what your character would do. Absolutely, yep. agreed. Okay, let's uh, let's call it there for now, gentlemen. Uh, we are going to be back next week talking about the barbarian subclasses. So I'm uh, looking forward to diving in uh, to those with you at that point. So, what do you you all think out there? Uh, what do you guys think about the? Or what do you all think about the barbarian class? How do you think it works in your games? How do you think it's worked uh, in characters that you've played before? We'd love to hear your comments, hear your thoughts on today's episode, uh, and we really look forward to coming back to next week talking about the subclasses so uh any uh, final words for either of you gentlemen this evening go ahead and take it away wow no pressure no the the tabaxi i mentioned earlier is one that i kind of want to do um i really like the idea and part of the reason was i was thinking thundercats and the mm. uh I love the big the, the big beefy cat whose name i cannot remember panthro, panthro. thank you panthro um because you know that that's a reason to move my ability scores around and have a strength-based tabaxi instead of a, a, a dex-based tabaxi, but still have that feline agility for the burst of speed, mm-hmm. right? So now he's this big, beefy, muscly cat man. I um, would recommend that could be a good time. I would recommend for Panthro or any of the Thundercats, save Wily Kit and Wily Cat, that you go with Leonid. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yep. I'll have to look into that, but I liked the speed on the tabaxi for for uh, the movement the barbarians get, and really just blowing it out, blowing the freaking doors off of it in terms of how much mobility you could oh, get. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to playing a barbarian, and it's been a little bit since I'd really really given a good look at the class, and uh, yeah. I mean I had a good time with this assignment, guys. <laughs> um, Excellent. And the the uh, next week's episode, some of the the paths. They surprised me. I didn't think they're, I'd read the titles, but never really gone through some of them. I'm like, meh, but yeah, no, I, I was pretty pleased. All right. Luanika, final words. This was an, a great episode. I think we, because the barbarian class is as straightforward as it was, we got an opportunity to really talk and commit some theory craft and things like that, that we haven't really done in these types of episodes before. And I think this really lent itself to that. Don't take any of our comments to be hate or discontent beyond the fact we think there are ways it could be improved or done differently. It's not that we don't like what is altogether. It's just that we think there are ways to make it better. Uh, specifically, I look at my table, at my various tables, and I look at people who play barbarians or who are playing barbarians. They're having tons of fun with them as they currently exist in 5e. But I know that they are always in the, is this the level I branch out? Is this the level I branch out? That only happens when there's something inherent in the build that would not be as cool as other options. That is inherently some type of flaw. It's certainly an issue, a concern, a thing. And I think that's what we were really talking about and discussing today. So the fact that many players think as they get into tier three, 
when am I going to jump? When am I, when am I getting out? When am I getting yeah. out? Have I stayed in too long where I have to stay? Cause I'm not going to get enough elsewhere. Uh, or is this the moment? I think that's, a, that's an issue. I don't think you find too many wizards talking that way. I don't think you find too many rogues talking mm. that way, but they also have Interesting. subclass features at the top end. Yeah. Yep. The ones that have subclass features lower. That's my thought. I think my overall thought is yep. there is a reason why people talk. When am I going to jump with barbarians? I don't think that makes barbarians bad. I love having them in my game. They add great dynamics. And when we talk about the subclasses, we're going to get into the whys, the wheres, the things that I'm interested in playing, the things I've already built, the things I've got plans to build. Yep. Uh, barbarians are in my wheelhouse. They're just not at the front of the line. That's just that's yeah. my thought on it. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would say uh, I'll, I will keep this uh, uh, very brief. Uh, I will say that, you know, as always, doing this dive into the mechanics of the Barbarians has taught me things about the Barbarians that I didn't know I didn't know. So this, if, if nothing else, everybody out there listening, the exercise is worth the time. Spend some time with these classes in a deep dive. Uh and uh, you'll you'll find you'll find nuggets of things that you did not know uh, were there. So, and but, ways to build NPCs. Yeah, absolutely. To be fair, I could also seriously get behind a GIF barbarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a gigantic jar of peanut butter waving a glaive around. Is that yep, so no, 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 no. That was GIF, yep. the yep. large, proud yeah. hippopotamus race. Yep. Yeah. Th- yeah. Throwing gavelins around. So, anyway. All that to say, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will come back to you next week talking about the subclasses uh, for the Barbarians. Uh, until then, uh, hope you enjoy. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at TT Journeys and join us on Facebook just by searching Tabletop Journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform, we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays. We'll feature our SideQuest series, where we talk about pretty much anything tabletop-oriented. Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.